Joshua chapter 1. Thanks to the band for leading us so well as they always do. That song, I just, you know, I wish I wrote it. <laughs> it was just good. Good stuff, good stuff. We've been walking through the first uh, chapter of the book of Joshua the last uh, two Sundays. And um, I wish I could tell you for sure that I knew, uh, you know, that this was like a real organized series or whatever. I knew the plan. I don't really know. Um, I'm pretty sure that we'll we'll talk about some more stuff pertaining to Joshua uh, next week, but if I don't, don't hold me to it. Um, we've gone through the first nine verses looking at uh, Joshua's commissioning as the uh, Israelites had been uh, delivered from um, Egypt and they had marched um, all around the place and uh, all this kind of stuff, and they are on the verge of being brought into this land that God had been promising them. And uh, he uh, had, he basically called Moses and was like, Moses, you're going to go in, you're going to, you know, all the Israelites are enslaved, you're going to be the one to go in, and you're going to lead them out, and um, it's not going to be easy, but you're going to lead them, I'm going to show you what to do, I'm going to take care of everything, you just got to listen to me, and you got to do what I say. And so, you know, a million of these uh, Israelites come out and they march around for a long time. And um, here they are on the verge of finally going into this land that has been promised to them. And uh, Moses uh, was not allowed to, see, to go into the land. He was allowed to see it, but um, God was like, I'm not going to let you go in because I said do this and you did this and it's not how it works. And, and so uh, Moses has died, Joshua takes over. And so in the first nine verses, God is kind of like, just really sticking it to him, you know, like, you're going to be the one to bring them in, you're going to have to be strong, you're going to have to be courageous, um, you got to meditate on the book of the law that I've given you, don't, don't depart from it, you got to meditate on it day and night, you, you got to be strong, and you got to be courageous, I'm going to be with you every step, just like I was with Moses, you got to be strong, you got to be courageous, it keeps like, just, you know, reiterating that, and so, we've just kind of been walking through that, and kind of seeing what kind of lessons are there, um, we're going to pick up in verse 10 tonight. So Joshua's been given this commissioning and stuff, and now he goes and he starts putting some of this stuff into action. Look at verse 10. It says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. 
Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that your Lord is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. All right, let's walk through this a little bit at a time. And uh, there's, you might find that these, these different paragraphs don't really like, connect. They can kind of stand alone, but there's also some you know, ways that it'll kind of weave together. But um, look at verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. So he's, he's putting into action some of the things that, that God has, has shown him. And he's got his officers, he's like, scatter out, and this is what you need to tell them. Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan, to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Um, here's, here's the thing I, th- I think God wants us to see tonight in this, is that last part to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. There, there isn't this, you know, we're going to go in and we're going to absolutely destroy them because we're awesome. We're Israel, you know. Um, he could have left off the last part. We're going to go in and we're going to take possession of this land. You know, we're going to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. There's this, there's this reminder that the land that they're going to inherit, is, it's, it's not theirs. That God is giving it to them to possess, to live in, to, to fully dwell in, to have families and you know, all that kind of stuff, to, to live life in. God is, is giving you this land. You are not going in to take the land. The only reason you're able to take the land is because God is giving you the land. Now, this is a, a really important perspective for them to have on this big chunk of dirt that they're about to go and live in. The idea that, that the only reason that they're there is by the grace and the power and the mercy of God. That if God were not on their side, that if God had not provided this for them, they would, they would not have it. That's a really great, great, great perspective to have on stuff that we have. See, they could have, could have become really arrogant, being like, that's right, it's our land. We took this. We, we fought those armies. We ran out all these, these warriors who were there. We did all this. And right from the beginning, or not really from the beginning, but at this point in the story, it's continued to be reminded of, no, 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 it's, it's not about you. It's about God. Now, think about that concept as applied to our lives, sitting here today, 2008, um, and, and this was, was a part of what our community groups talked about a few weeks ago, about the fact that we, we generally speaking, I don't, you know, you might be an exception, I don't want to offend you, but generally speaking, we look at our stuff as our stuff. 
our hard-earned money as our hard-earned money, you know. And, and, you know, you get that paycheck, and you know, you know, especially if you grew up in church, you got to get out of the calculator, figure out what 10% of it is, first check out of the checkbook, it's got to go back there in the corner. Um, I'm all for that. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not all for the calculator part. I am all for the fact that um, of giving, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, like, don't, don't we tend to look at things as, as ours? Our house, our apartment, our car, our paycheck, our job, our kids, our wife, our husband, our whatever, our church. There's this, like, real, like, possessive, like, um, under, like undertone, you know? And that's not always bad. Like, there needs to be some, like, you know, there needs to be some pride. You know, I have a problem with a, a man being like, that's my wife, you know? Great. As long as, like, it, it doesn't, you know, bleed over into, like, this crazy psycho-possessiveness, you know? If a man looks at his wife and is like, God has blessed me with her as my wife, that's, that's reflecting the, these verses right here, you know? If you look at the place where you live and you're like, you know what, it ain't much, but God has, has given me this to dwell in for there to be a roof over my head, you know? To look at the money that comes in and be like, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe that, that, that God has blessed me in this way. There's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I was thinking about, I was like, in my own life, do I look at, do I look at the things that I have, like, wow, God, you've taken care of me in these ways, or do I look at things and I, I look to see what's not there yet, you know? Like, what don't I have that I want, or that I need? Um, and it's such a different perspective, you know? When we look at our stuff as being things that come from God, and God meets the needs that we have through various means and, and all this kind of stuff. When we look at it that way, I really think that, that, that we just can't help but be like, praise be to God who provided this for me. But when we look at it as, as the, these things that we're missing, I don't have this, and I want this, and this, and this, and this. We're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard, and I'm going to save, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to buy these things. And there, we, we, we just hoard this stuff, you know, and there's just this possessiveness that's there. Um, and you think about it, it, it can, we can look at, at, uh, at it in different levels. We can look at, at our, our stuff, you know, and our, um, uh, our jobs, our money, our relationships, stuff like that. Um, you, can, you can look at it on a little bit bigger picture. Sometimes it gets real unhealthy as far as even like salvation is concerned, you know. And we really get, we get freaked out when we have a week where we make lots of bad decisions, you know, and, and we really just completely just rebel from the Lord and all this kind of stuff. We want nothing to do with holiness or purity or His guidance in our lives or whatever, and we really turn this way. And, and sometimes without even thinking about it, there's just lots of karma, you know, that is at work in our minds, and we're like, oh, man, you know, I've, I've done this, and I messed up, and so I've got, I'm reaping all this bad stuff, and that's why I had a flat tire, or that's why, you know, I got in a wreck, or whatever, and, and, and we have all this stuff that's, that's going on, um, and when it comes to salvation, sometimes we, like, if we don't understand that, that what Jesus did, like, we didn't earn it, we can't lose it, I mean, like, it has nothing to do with us, we can very easily stray into this area, and we're like, man, I've got to work hard to get back in, in, the, in the grace of God, you know? I think, I think God's abandoned me because I've been so rebellious or whatever. 
So if we don't have a, a healthy understanding of God's role in our lives, and when it comes to that stuff, it can get really thrown off. Um, we can look at, at, our, at our giftings in that way. Um, you can look at the things that you're good at. Like, I got this uncle, and, like, he can, like, he can, he can do anything, anything mechanical. If there's anything that has a motor in it and it breaks, you bring it to him, he'll take it apart and, like, work miracles with it, put it back together. He'll go, to, like, he'll go down to the hardware store, spend, like, $1.19, and you got a whole brand-new lawnmower. It's amazing. Um, he can just do stuff. And there are some of you who are exactly the same way. You know, or some of you are extremely creative. You know, you can, you can take something, you can, you can, like, redecorate somebody's house with, like, a $20 bill, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this would be on a TV show. You know, like, this is just, just phenomenal. Some, some of you uh, who are teachers, you just naturally explain things so well, and other people just, would just fumble their way through it, you know. And, and if we were to, to look at the things, our abilities and our gifts, just stuff we're naturally inclined to, um, as like, no, no, like the reason why I'm good at this is because God has, has given me this gift for, for a reason. God has wired me up this way, and there's a purpose behind it. Look at, at spiritual gifts, it's, it's the same exact way. We can look at this church, and very easily, a church can be something that people possess. And you watch churches split down the middle and have all this drama and stuff like that. It's because the people in it, they don't look at it as, this is the Lord's church, He is the head over this church and the big church. Whatever He wants to do with us, we're going to do. They don't understand that submission to Christ. They don't understand submission to the structure that, that God has put into place within the body, it becomes my church, my committees, my decisions, my whatever, and that's when it's like, I think we should have blue carpet. I think we should have mauve carpet, you know? And that's when those kind of things happen, and it happens all the time. When we say our church, that needs to be a healthy hour and not a destructive hour. And I wonder, you know, when going back to like our possessions and our money and stuff like that, it's something that you and I, living in America, are, we have to fight all the time. Is that view that, like, you earned that money, you worked hard, you did this, you deserved this and this, and there's all this you, and there's very little pointing back to him. And I think that's what's so important about gathering together is that, you know, and I, I think that's a lot of the role that I play is, is trying to help us stay attentive to him and, and so, that, so that you have a voice coming at you being like, it's not your money. It's not your house. It's not your car. You know? It's not yours. God has given you that. He has blessed you with that. And then in community group, you're sitting there and somebody else says it, and you're like, oh, that's right. You know? In a community group, when, when we were talking about the parable of the talents you know, a couple weeks ago, and you start talking and people are like, man, like, I live way beyond my means, and so I can't help people financially when they need help, you know? And you start to realize some of those things, and you start to voice some of those things, and other people are helping you stay attentive. And so that's why those voices speaking truth are so important, because there's so many other voices out there telling us the exact opposite. And so here's Joshua, and he sends these officers in to go out, and that's a part of what they tell him. We're going to go in, get your stuff together. In three days, we're going to go in and possess the land that God is giving us to possess. And I'm really praying that, that, that God changes my heart in the way I look at the things that he has given me and I see them first and foremost as things that he has given me. And I pray that for our church, that our church will be that place where um, 
our attitude is, I will live as far below my means as I possibly can so that when there's a need, I can meet it. And I will get to the point where if I need to sell something to get money to help somebody meet a need, I'm willing to do that because I just can't, you know, I can bear to part with anything I have because someone else's need is far more important than me having that thing. And what's encouraging is that there's stuff like that happening all the time, you know. I don't look at that as being like six miles down the road. I look around, I see examples of it happening. I'm like, praise God. Oh, let's pray that more things happen, more things happen, more things happen. And so it's cool. A lot of times we look at like, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of an Acts 2 church. Well, that, where do you think they got it from? It goes way back to the beginning, way back to the beginning. All right, let's look at the next, next uh, paragraph. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of, of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the words that Moses, the servant of the, of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you, I like that, men of valor, that's pretty cool, um, shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he is to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. All right, that's a lot of, that's a lot of words. Um, in, in Numbers 32, here's kind of what happens. Um, there's 12 tribes of Jerusalem, uh, I mean uh, 12 tribes of Israel, sorry. And uh, so they're going along and um, they're, they're coming up on the Jordan and uh, Reuben's tribe and Gad's tribe and half of Manasseh's tribe, they, like, they get real, real practical. And they're coming along, and they got all these livestock. And you start to look about, uh, at the different tribes. They all kind of had, like, it was just really, really cool how they were split up, and they all kind of had different things. Well, those two and a half tribes were, they were, like, they were farmers. They had lots of livestock. So they're coming along, and they're, you know, they're heading in this, you know, they're heading uh, west, and they start looking around. They're like, man, it's pretty good land for sheep, I guess, and stuff. Um, not pigs, I don't guess, uh, for not pigs. Uh, any sort of, of other livestock. And they're looking around they're like, this is a pretty good place for our livestock. And, um, you know, they had sent some spies ahead of them. And so they're like, man, what we're hearing, the promised land ain't really great for uh, people who have, uh, you know, animals to feed, stuff like that. But this land, this is pretty awesome. So they go to Moses, and they're like, Mo. Um, not really. Uh, they're like, here's the deal. Uh, the land where we are now is great for people with livestock. We have livestock. So how about this? How about um, all the other tribes, okay, you guys go in. Y'all get the promised land. We'll just hang out on this side of the Jordan. We'll be fine. We'll make it. That's just more promised land for y'all, you know. Something like that. And uh, so Moses is like, oh, no, 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 no. See, every, why should everybody else go to war and you guys get to just chill over here? Um, we've been through this before, and that's how you got to wandering in the desert uh, for so long. And so we're not going to go down that, that road again. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what we mean, um, which may be true. I just tend to be a little skeptical. They're like, okay, tell you what. We'll stay here. Um, we'll build pens for our livestock and stuff like that so they can't get out. We'll build some shelters for our wives and our kids. And then all the dudes in our tribes, we will go with everybody else. We'll cross over. 
we'll fight, we'll die, we'll bleed together, you know, whatever. And then when everybody's settled, we'll come back over here. And they're trying to say, look, our intention is not to get out of fighting or dying or anything like that. It really is about, like, the life that we see for ourselves and what we have is just better in this terrain. And so Moses had made this agreement with them, and he was like, okay, that's fine. If, you're, if your guys do this, if you go over and you fight until everybody's settled, um, then you can come back. If you don't do it, then you're going to have to come over with everybody else and try to raise sheep in you know, the desert or whatever. And so they kind of had this agreement um, going into it. And so what Joshua is doing in this paragraph, he's basically reminding them. Uh, so he sends his officers out to tell everybody to get ready and stuff like that. And he says, now you make sure that those two and a half tribes remember uh, the, the contract that we have with them, the agreement that has been set up. And so they go around and they remind them uh, of that. And so I was reading that and I was thinking about it. And, and, and here's, here's what I think is, is for us. It was really important that um, Reuben's tribe and Gad's tribe and, and the half of Manasseh's tribe, that they saw themselves as a part of something greater. That they didn't look at themselves and, and look around and see, you know, like, uh, this is great for us, forget everybody else, you know, y'all, whatever. Um, it was really, really important that they saw that they were part of the nation of Israel. And while they were one tribe, you know, two tribes, the half tribe, which is kind of weird, um, that while they were individuals, they were also a part of this greater whole. And the, what happens to the entire nation is more important than what happens to their little tribe. And you think about that in the body of Christ, and it makes so much sense. Think about it in the context of our church. Um, it makes so much sense. And so here's the, here's the thing. Those tribes, they were settled already. And they had all these fellow Israelites who were unsettled. And so what Moses, what his agreement with them was, was, okay, you who are settled are going to go help everybody, everybody else who is unsettled until they are settled. And once everybody's settled... Everybody's settled. Too many settleds? Probably so. Um, those who are stable, those who, um, like, I don't, I don't know. It was important for them to look out for everybody else. And so when I think about that whole idea of until, until they're good, we're not good. Until they're settled, we're not settled. And so if we have to leave our women and children behind to go and to fight to make sure that you're settled, we're going to do that because what happens to the entire nation is more important than what happens to our little tribe. I think about life together in community and how much sense that makes, you know. Because when, when somebody needs help in this body, what I should do, if I'm in a place in life where I don't need help, I should be busting it to help them until they don't need help anymore either. Make sense? So if, if you hurt, then I need to hurt. If you have this need, financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and I'm able to meet that need, I need to be doing that. And I should, really should not rest until things are better. It's pretty awesome the way that our church is set up, and this isn't anything against any other church. I just love the way we are, and we're not the only ones who we hadn't figured it out. So, uh, 
Here's what happens. Money goes in the, uh, in the buckets back there, and it gets counted and gets put into the, you know, our account. And we have a budget that's set up, but our budget is not like a checking account. You know? So like the you know, kids ministry team, they're not like, man, we got $189 to spend by the end of the month. Let's go buy something we don't need. That's not how it works. It's more, it's more of a guide, you know. So here's what happens. If it's under $300, the staff, me and Meg, we can go, we can, we can meet whatever need we see if it's under $300. You have given us that trust. Some of you will bring needs to us, and it doesn't mean that we walk around, we meet needs, ha, ha, ha. It's not that. Sometimes you guys will bring us a need like, hey, this is what's going on. i got a coworker, i got a friend. It's me. Um, if it's under $300, um, we, we, can just, we can do it if, if that's the way it needs to work. That's how our entire church is structured. If it's between $300 and 1000 then uh, the, the finance team gets involved just for some accountability. If it's above 1000 then the elders have to, to approve it. But here's the thing. We don't have, like, there is never going to be a point, based on the way that we're set up, where someone can come to us and they'll say, this is the need that we have, and we pray about it, and we, and we feel like God's saying, meet that need, and we get out the spreadsheet, and we're like, ooh, sorry, we can't. We've exceeded our allotment for this month. That will not happen. In the New Testament, you see two things happening. Um, People would see a need, they would either sell something that they had to give to that person to meet that need, or um, they would bring the money that they had to the feet of the apostles and say, we trust you guys to distribute this however it needs to be done. That second model, that's really how our offerings work back there. That's what's so beautiful about it, is it's like, you you, you just trust the elders, and you throw the money back there. And it's amazing that, like, you start to look at some things. You're like, man, we're a little church with a fairly young congregation, and like, we're making it. We hadn't, we hadn't, nobody's given us a dime. Louisiana Baptist Convention, not a dime. Local association, they just take it. <laughs> they don't give it. They just take it. Um, it's it's awesome to be to to be set up that way to be able to meet those needs. Um, but that same principle should apply to all of our lives, right? Every need that comes up doesn't have to be filtered through the church. You meet, meet a need. You see something, you, you take care of it. And that, that's just talking about financial stuff. You get into spiritual things. Every time there's a spiritual need, you do not need to call me. Every time that something, you don't need to call Megan. You don't. You can. If you feel like you need to, do that. I mean, that's... That's a part of why staff's here. You know, you, that's part of why the elders are here, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there are lots of people out there, lots of people in our church. Every one of us has the Spirit of God in us to go out and to minister to people and take care of people. When there's a spiritual need, don't run from it. Be like, God, is this, is this for me? And sometimes other people need to be involved, absolutely. There's a physical need. Meet it. We should have, we should have that, same, that same deal, just like when Moses looked at those tribes. He knew. I'm, I would, I'm assuming that Moses knew, you know what? They have livestock. This is better for them. But Moses was like, no, no, the important thing is the nation. And for us, the important thing is the glory of Christ lived out among us, most visibly done in the life of the church, Right? We're the, we're the visible expression of Christ's grace and love on the earth. 
So as we live in community together, we got to get to a point where, where whatever, if you need, I need. If you hurt, I hurt. And for those who are in a position to be able to help, we, we cannot rest until uh, everybody's good. And you can be like, oh, everybody's going to always be bad. Well, yeah, guess what? Living in community is always work. Always work. But it's awesome. All right, let's look at this last thing. Verse 16. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. It's very, very interesting to me that the very things that God told Joshua were echoed back to him by the people that he was about to lead, you know? Same exact wording, everything. I think it's important for us to recognize the perspective that they had on their leader, you know? What was important to them, they're like, we're going to follow you, we're going to listen to you, we're going to do what you ask us to do. Our prayer is that the Lord is with you just like he was with Moses. That was the important thing for them. We'll follow follow you because God is with you. I'm sure, like, Joshua had to think this. Huh, good thing God already promised me he'd be with me every single step. And at the end they say, be strong and courageous. I'm sure he had chills run down his spine. He's like, I've heard that before. I think when you look at, at leaders, that's an important thing. I hope that you pray for your community group leaders, the elders, the staff. Same thing I think applies uh, to um, the spiritual leaders of homes. Um, one of those like, things I think that is, uh, is really about to take off um, within our church is with uh, the married men that are here. You kids who are here and wives, you want to know how to pray for dad? Pray those things. Pray that God is with your dad. Pray that he be strong and courageous. You want to know how to pray for the leadership of the church? Pray that. I was talking to somebody the other day and, you know, just... People ask me all the time, how's it going? How's the church going, you know? It's like, uh, you know, you have your, um, learn this from, uh, I think Amy Emil talked about this when she came back from uh, being in Africa. It was like, you, you come up with a, a 30-second answer, a three-minute answer, and a 30-minute answer. And so, uh, like, I went to a wedding uh, last night, you know, and so every, people I hadn't seen, well, how's the church going? I'm like, uh, how much time do I have? Which answer do I give? And um, I really feel like uh, I'm very blessed to be um, a part of this congregation because I, I really I feel like you're so incredibly gracious. And I feel like uh, I don't worry when you get here and the air conditioner doesn't work, you know. 
Like, oh man, we better cancel church. People are going to be upset. You know? I feel like you just roll with the punches. I feel like your expectations are very fair, you know? Uh, you know, as far as just the, the general, you know, everything. And um, I look at this verse and I'm like, man, I, I think if as the pastor you feel like God is with me, I feel like that's, that's like the main thing. If I were to, to assess your perception of me and how we relate, I think based on the last two and a half, three years, that that's, that's the thing. That's the thing that you look at. Is, can he hear the Lord? Is the Lord with him? Is the Lord with the elders as they lead? And, you know, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, you may not like everything I do and the way I do it. You might like, not like the preaching or the fact that I play that keyboard sometimes. Or, you know, there might be all kinds of things that, that you don't like. Um, and I could be way off. Um, but I, I feel like as, as a pastor and as an elder, that's the key. And regardless of who is a pastor and who is, is an elder, that's always going to be the key. You know, can you, like, is God with them? Are we following someone who God is with and speaks to and leads and guides? And so I don't say that to be like, just so y'all know, I hear God. That's not, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm, the reason why I say that is because people are asking all the time, how can we pray for you? That would be the, the best blanket prayer, I think that you could pray for me and for the elders and for the staff and for your community group leaders and for anybody that's in, in any kind of leadership that, that God would be with them. Would speak clearly, would speak strongly, would discipline quickly, um, that that would be it. And I love their perspective on their leader. It's like, look, we're going to follow you. Like, we want God, is God, God's with you like he was with Moses? Hardcore. We'll kill anybody who disagrees. Don't, don't go to that extreme. Um, and so you look at you look at these these three paragraphs and the perspective they had on the on the land they were about to possess the perspective they had on the people uh, them on each other as a nation and that they had on their leadership there and you just you just see just you see God all over it. There's so many things about living in community in the church that we can flip back to the Old Testament. And be like, man, there are some principles there that we've got to apply, some lessons we have to learn. Um, the Acts Church didn't get it just from nowhere. They got it from the Spirit of God who birthed it a long, 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 long time ago. And I find it so helpful to look at these different examples and see the same lessons and be like, wow, okay. Um, the, during the, the time of the Israelites and, you know, first century church and us today, it's the same stuff. Same lessons, same things about community, same principles about God. And so I don't know how it connects into your life. I don't know which one of these things tonight, or maybe it was one of the songs or something like that. Like when it happened, you you were just kind of like stunned for a second, and God was like, that's why I brought you here tonight. I don't know. And so the way we usually do stuff is we just kind of let things rest for a minute and give you time to ask God, what is it tonight? What do you want from me tonight? The answer is yes on the front end before you even ask it. And so let me pray for us. We'll sing a little bit. We'll, we'll go home. God, we thank you for your word and um, it's for the examples that you provide for us.
God, for how much you're able to communicate in just a few words. God, we know that you're here with us. You've made us very aware of your presence. And it's just amazing that you can have something different for every one of us that's here. So God, whether it has to do with how we view our possessions in life or our, our church, our stuff, uh, you know, our jobs, whatever, it has to do with um, how we relate to each other and the needs that are out there being met and us being not being settled until everybody's settled. Yeah, maybe it has to do with with leadership somehow, you know. God, maybe it's something else, a song, a prayer, a hug, whatever. I always ask you make it clear um, the things that you are uh, speaking to us tonight. Give us the strength and courage to respond obediently and joyfully. And so these next few moments, God, they're just like the previous ones. They're all yours. Help us be responsible with whatever it is you're stirring up.